0: Great to be with you this morning. Glad that you are here. Again, it is really good to see so many of you, most of you, almost all of you, wearing a name tag today. Thanks for doing that. Uh, thanks for the great attitude about doing that for the month of September. I'm going to suggest we keep doing it. Um, I won't be out there in the lobby hounding you to put one on, but uh, you get in the habit of calling each other by name. So thanks for doing that. For the month of September. I also want to remind you that starting in October, a big schedule change. Our worship service will begin at 8:30 in the morning. There'll be some time built in for some fellowship between worship and class. Classes will begin at 10. That's not next week, but that's in two Sundays in October. By the way, that's the same schedule we were on before COVID. You remember that, right? We can do this, right? You're looking at me like 8.30 in the morning. We used to do that all the time. Five days of the week, we still do that all the time. So I've got no doubt that, uh, that it's going to be a really positive thing. So looking forward to that. Uh, yes, Ron, we are continuing today our sermon series on following Jesus. Wrap it up next week. But I've mentioned several times during this particular series that for those of us who call ourselves a follower of Jesus, there was a time in our lives when we weren't followers of Jesus. And there was a time in our lives when someone who was a follower of Jesus shared Jesus with us. And we are so thankful that someone did that. That someone loved us enough, someone loved Jesus enough, to ask us to come along and follow Jesus with them. We're so thankful that that happened. None of us figured it out on our own. For the past two weeks, we have talked about Acts chapters 3 and 4, Peter and John being arrested by the religious leaders and uh, questioned about healing a man who had been crippled. And by what name or what authority did they do that? And they said, well, it's the name of Jesus Christ, who you crucified. And that answer didn't go over real well with the authorities, And, of course, uh, they told Peter and John, we don't want you to talk about Jesus anymore. And their great response was, can't help it. We can't help but talk about what we have seen and heard. Something happened. We saw it. We heard it. We can't help but not talk about that. And then last week, we spent a little bit of time talking about our fear of the E word, evangelism, Going out and actually sharing Jesus with people. And we kind of wrapped up that story in Acts 4 where Peter and John are released from prison and they go back with the other disciples and they pray together. And they don't pray that God would protect them. And they don't pray that God would avenge their enemies. Remember what they pray is that they would be enabled to speak God's word with great boldness. And I told you last week, if you are bold enough to pray it, God is big enough to provide it. He will give us opportunities, and He'll also give us the courage to talk about Jesus with other people. Remember, Jesus said, I want you to go into all the world and make disciples. And we're very hesitant sometimes to want to go into all the world and, and make disciples. And I think that one of the reasons for our hesitancy is we have made making disciples much more complicated than it has to be. We've made making followers, helping other people follow Jesus, much more difficult than it has to be. In fact, one of the reasons I believe why people that you love have rejected Christianity is because they don't really understand it. The reason they don't understand it is because people like us, Christians, have made it pretty complicated, but the gospel is not complicated. The good news of Jesus is not that complicated. Yes, there are some hard teachings in Scripture, and there are some really deep myths, not myths, but deep truths in Scripture, and there's questions that you can ask that I can't answer, but the story of Jesus and the plan of salvation, it's not that complicated. Here's a the great thing about the gospel. There's the amazing thing about the gospel. No matter where a person is from, no matter what country they live in, no matter what language they speak, no matter how educated they might be, no matter what age they might be, no matter how big their family is, no matter how wonderful their past is, was, no matter how dysfunctional their past was, no matter how many times they've been married, no matter how many times they've been divorced, no matter how many times they've been arrested, no matter what is going on in a person's life, everyone gets in the same way. There aren't 57 different varieties of Christianity for people you know, spread out around the globe. Different people living in different times and in different nationalities and, you know, different social economic standings. The gospel message, it is uniform and it is universal. And it's really pretty simple. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. I'm the life. But we, Christians, me, preachers, <laughs> we tend to make it a little more complicated sometimes. Sometimes. And consequently, there are people who have rejected what they think is Christianity when in reality, they haven't really understood what Christianity really is. They don't know what they've rejected or accepted. What they have actually rejected is a a misrepresentation of Christianity, a parody of the Jesus story. So, what I want to do this morning, I want to be sure that what we are sharing And what we are saying and what we are believing is what God wants us to share and say and believe. And to do that, I want to go back to to probably the most famous verse in the Bible. I know Gary referenced it in his class today. John chapter 3, verse 16. Now, I have preached on on, on that passage before. And I'm going to tell you right up front... Some of you have heard what I'm about to say before because almost 8 years ago I taught a class. I keep track of these things. I taught a class and I talked about John 3:16 in this class. But as I was working through this sermon series, I just I kept coming back to this verse and coming back to that class. Because somehow we have come to the conclusion that, that we can't really talk to anyone about Jesus until we can completely and confidently and competently answer every single question someone might have. How long were the days of creation? What's the argument about you know, creation versus evolution? What about the dinosaurs? Who really was the rider on the fiery red horse? You know, um, how does the book of Mark really end? And those are questions that I guess deserve you know, our attention, but listen, you don't have to know any of those answers to talk to, Jesus, talk to someone about Jesus. You don't really have to understand what the sin against the Holy Spirit is and you know, who the Antichrist might be. You don't have to know any of those things to tell somebody the good news of Jesus. When it comes to the plan of salvation even though we might be guilty of making it pretty complicated, God's made it pretty simple. So, we're going to look at this most famous verse, a verse that everybody knows, most people can quote it, everybody recognizes it, because this, this simple, sacred verse, I think says what we need to be telling people and what we need to be sure we understand as followers of Jesus. Jesus. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. This morning I want to bring out four very simple thoughts in that very simple, profound verse. Things that we need to be sharing with our friends and our neighbors. Simple message that really does change lives. And the first is this. For God so loved the world... That's the first phrase, God loved. You want to know what people who don't know anything about God need to know about God? They need to know God loved. We say, well, everybody knows that. No, they really don't know that. But everybody needs to know that. God loved. See, some people are running from God. They're running from God because they're convinced God just wants to grab me around the neck and put me in my place. God wants to impose His will on me. So I'm I'm running from God. You say, well, who would run from God? A lot of people run from God. Sometimes we run from God. Oh, no, I don't. Oh, yes, you do. (laughs) Have you ever said, not now, God? Not here, God? Not yet, God. It's because we we miss or we forget or, or we ignore the very fundamental truth that God loved. God loved the world. He's not mad at the world. He's not angry at the world. If God were angry at the world, He would have ignored the world, right? That verse would read, For God so ignored the world that He didn't do anything for us. that's not how that verse reads God's not angry he's not mad God loves he loves you he's in love with you you reflect his image for God so loved loves the first word for God so loved that he did what he did what people who love do he gave he gave his son here's what you need to know as a Christian Here's what you need to be sharing with other people who have questions about following Jesus. God loved the world. God gave His Son. That's the message we need to be sharing. God loved the world. God gave His Son. That's where it has to start. God loved the world. God gave His Son. I would argue that's where it ends as well. God loved the world. God gave His Son. Specifically, That meant that God sent Jesus into this world to die for our sins. What was most precious to God, He gave to you and He gave for you. not mad at you. God loves you. Proves He's not chasing us to chastise us. He's chasing us because He wants to rescue us. You moms, have you ever chased your small child as they're running towards a busy street? And they look over their shoulder and they say, oh, here comes mom, and they start laughing and they start running faster. What do you do? You run faster, don't you? Because you know I've got to get to them before they get to that street. God loved. God gave. God loved the world. God gave his son. Because that's that's the thing that people who love do. They give to those that they love. Here's the next part. What did God do? God loved the world. God gave his son. What do I need to do? But God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish. Believes in him. We need to believe in Jesus. We need to tell people to believe in Jesus because whoever believes in him shall not perish. I've got it in white and a little bit of yellow up there. If you're reading a red letter edition of the Bible, that verse is in red. Those are the words of Jesus. In fact, if you back up a verse to verse 15, Jesus said, everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Those are the words of Jesus, spoken to a man by the name of Nicodemus, talking about salvation. Now, if I am believing... I'm going to love. And if I love, I'm going to obey, right? If I believe, I'm going to love. And if I love, I'm going to obey. Let me stick with the words of Jesus. You can cite a lot of scripture here, but this morning I want to stick with the words of Jesus. Jesus says in John chapter 14, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Well, we claim to love Jesus, Right? So I'm going to obey what Jesus commands. He says in Luke 13, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Those are the words of Jesus. He says in Mark 16, he that believes and is baptized will be saved. Those are the words of Jesus. If I believe, I'm going to love. If I love, I'm going to obey. If I'm going to obey, there are some things that I'm going to have to do. But I am going to do those things. I am going to obey because I believe in Jesus. It's not about what I can do for God, it's about what God does for me. No, it's not about what I give God, it's about what God wants to give me. No, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through Him. God loved, God gave, we believe. And then look at the very end of that verse. God loved, God gave. Well, if he if he gave us something, what do we, what did he, what do we have? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God loved, God gave. We believe. We have. And of course, what Jesus says we have is eternal life. Now this is pretty big. <laughs> it's pretty big. Because what Jesus is promising here is not that we're going to live forever. Everybody's going to live forever. Okay? Everybody is going to live forever somewhere. Got good news and bad news. Everybody lives forever somewhere. Yeah, our outward body is wasting away. Some of us a little more quickly than others, but but our outward body is wasting away. But Inwardly, our soul is eternal. We are eternal beings. We possess the thumbprint of God. We're made in His image. know, Jesus came because everybody's going to live somewhere forever. There is a, uh, there's a real buzz in religious culture right now about what happens when you die. And a lot of people are writing books about that. And a lot of people are are blogging about that. And I guess there's always been, you know, a lot of conversation about that. And I guess there always will be. And I can buy their books and read what they say. And I do. You know, I listen to smart people. I can read their blogs and I can listen to their podcasts. And I do. But again, this morning, I want to stick with the words of Jesus. Here's what Jesus says. Matthew 13. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's the words of Jesus. So is this, Matthew 25. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devils and his angels. And then just a couple verses later, and they will go away to eternal punishment but the righteous to eternal life. Jesus said there is a real place called hell and it will last forever. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth and that will last forever. There is a fire that will burn and it will burn forever. And when someone has been there a million years, they won't be one second closer to relief because Jesus calls it a place of eternal punishment. Everyone is going to live somewhere forever. But what followers of Jesus are promised in John chapter 3, verse 16, is an eternal death. We're promised eternal life a God life, a Christ life, a life spent in eternity in the presence of God. And the great thing about that promise is we don't have to wait till we die to start enjoying that life. We can enjoy the Jesus life right now. You talk to people who have been working in the kingdom for a long time. I mean, people who have spent decades uh, working in the vineyard. And to a person, they will tell you, I'm different. I'm different. I've I've, I've changed. God has changed me. I see things differently than I used to. I have a different world view than I used to. I treat people differently than I did. I see the lost differently than I used to. God has transformed me. God is continuing to, to transform me. That's the life that Jesus promises. Now, Jesus says in John ten, "I came that i might have life, and have it to the full." Jesus is a full life giver. He's an eternal life provider. God loved, God gave. I believe, I have. And if you want to re- remember it a little bit easier, we'll make it rhyme. God loved, God gave. We believe, we receive. That's what it means to have eternal life. God loved, God gave, we believe, we receive. And that really is the story of Scripture. A God who loved us so much that He gave His one and only Son to come here and die on our behalf, to give us eternal life. Yeah, the Bible can be complicated at times. God's plan... To redeem us, it's not that complicated. In fact, if you look at the next verse, and I don't have it on the screen, I mean, we all can quote uh, John three sixteen, right? I don't know why John three seventeen isn't just as famous, no. because it's just as good. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. God didn't send Jesus into the world to condemn us. You want to know why? We were already condemned. Exactly. If Jesus showed up and said, you're all condemned, you're all separated from God, nobody would have wrote that down. Everybody knew that. God's not mad at us. God loves us. So what did He do? He did what loving people do. He sent His Son. He gave His Son as a sacrifice. So when we talk about following Jesus, when we talk about helping other people to follow Jesus, let's be sure what we're talking about is Jesus. Let's be sure that we're keeping Jesus as the focus of who we're sharing and who we're worshiping. Jesus said, you follow me, and I will make you something you're not. I will make you fishers of men. So we don't invite people to join a plan or a program or some moral code of ethics. We try to introduce people to Jesus. We try to show people Jesus, connect them to Jesus. I think we've made it more complicated than it has to be. God didn't give us the Bible to try to confuse us. The Bible is the story of a God who loves us. Who gave to us the very best that He had. Who is asking us to believe that He is who He is and He's done what He's done and He'll do what He's promised. He's not trying to chase you down and grab you by the neck and force His will upon you. He desperately wants to rescue you That's why the gospel is called good news. The good news of the gospel. As followers of Jesus, we are called not just to live that out, but to lay that out. Not just to live a really great life, but we are called to be disciples who make disciples. be followers of Jesus who invite other people to follow Jesus along with us. And to do that, we need to live it, but also we need to talk about Jesus. We need to share Jesus. Now listen, not everyone's going to listen to the message. Not everyone's going to buy in. Not everyone's going to agree with you know, what we're trying to share. Not everyone's going to want to hear it. But let's make sure as followers of Jesus that what we are sharing and what they are accepting or rejecting, let's make sure it's the main thing. Let's make sure it's Jesus that we are sharing and and that we are lifting up. He is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. No one comes to the Father but through Jesus. There's no other name under heaven given to men by which you must be saved. It's Jesus. Again, if I love Jesus, I'm going to believe Jesus. If I believe Jesus, I'm going to obey Jesus. Being disciples who make other disciples, it's not that complicated. But someone's got to do it. And God has invited us as a church But he's invited us individually to be a part of this grand adventure. To be a part of making a real difference, an eternal difference in someone's life, just like someone made an eternal difference in your life. So, show them faith. Show them Jesus. And don't worry if you're not sure exactly the right words to say or, you know... Um, You know, I'm not smart enough or clever enough. Listen, God's going to bless your effort. He will. He'll make you worthy. But the message really is that simple. God loved. God gave. We believe. And we receive. Life is too precious. It's too precarious to waste on all the things that seem to take all our attention. Let's make sure we're keeping the main thing, the main thing. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. Let's stand and sing.